I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. The thing about hip-hop uh, today is it's smart. It's insightful. The, the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is, is remarkable. And a lot of these kids, they're not going to be reading the New York Times. That's not how they're getting their information. So hip hop didn't invent anything, but hip hop reinvented everything. Dr. Murray Foreman, my friend, my man, my mellow, how are you, sir? Peace. I'm doing great, man. Thanks, Manny, for having me on. Much respect and I uh, really appreciate it. I, I really appreciate you. As you know, uh, I appreciate that appreciation. I appreciate you putting up with this madness. We are, I mean, less than two months into doing it live every Monday uh, with all the trials and tribulations that uh, can happen. I still say it's the uh, most enlightening hip hop live stream in all the world. So uh, it's, it's good that it's working out. It's good that you're here and I appreciate you for coming on. So how you doing? Doing great, man. Everything's uh, everything's level. Just, just keeping it moving, right? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Well, that's what we got to do. Keep on plugging. Um, I mentioned this book, and I know that you've done a thousand things more than this book, right? So I don't want to keep it like this is the only thing you've done, and this is your grand opus. Although it's a hell of a, it's a hell of a. I tell people I can only read it like two or three times a week. I really can't get to it any more than that. I apologize. You're slacking, like, man. You're slacking. Cover to cover, like two or three times a week. But you know, I got kids. Like, there's a lot going on, man. Get those kids reading it, too, and, uh, you know, gift it to your mom and, you know, whoever else. Absolutely. Baby Girl Faces is about halfway through. Um, she keeps getting distracted by, um, uh, by YouTube. So what can I do? Um, that being said, tell me and tell them why I hold this book in such high regard. And I know this is a little bit of, you know, you're going to have to be self, uh, uh, bigging yourself up, let's just say. But that's the joint's been around. This is now the third edition, so it's been around for some time. Uh, it is an, an incredible compendium of essays and chapters written by some of the leading voices of hip-hop academia or studies. Uh, tell me how this, how this book came together, why it's so important, what's been your involvement for, just the, the, the longest short of it, if you could. Yeah, sure, man. I mean, you know, two decades ago, and it sounds like a long time, time moves fast, but uh, Mark Anthony Neal and I, um, he's at uh, Duke University, of course, um, yep. himself an amazing black culture scholar, not just hip-hop. Um, and in conversation, we, we wondered, you know, what's out there? What could we use in our classrooms uh, to bring hip hop knowledge, you know, the so-called fifth element into the classroom, keeping it real to hip hop and also keeping it rigorous for academia. Right. And so we sort of you know, got together and sort of said, what would our 
what would our wish list be? What would the greatest hits or mixtape be that we would want in our in our practice and bring in those talks and, and and to make available for other people? And so that's what we did. We pulled it together. Um, and that was uh, 2004, uh, first edition. I guess the two things that we're most proud of is that, you know, we got out there first. There's been a lot of like guidebooks, companion books, uh, other textbooks that have come out and they're all really good, you know, um, but, you know, there is something about being first and firstness with these things. And uh, we got out a little bit ahead of the curve uh, in terms of the academic formation of what we decided to call hip hop studies. We said, let's give it a name and let's formalize it and let's make it more difficult for universities who would probably love to suppress this. But let's make it more difficult for them to do that by, right. by giving it all the kind of the, the, the structure and infrastructure that, that other areas of study have. Um, and then the other thing is it's been really, really, really um, uh, surprising, but also uh, rewarding is that um, over these 20 years, I've had students say this book really helped them in their graduate studies, helped them work through their academic issues or gave them a toolkit, you know. And I look at it as like a, a relay where, you know, we, we, we kind of constructed something that resembles the baton and we hand it off and let them run their damn race and uh, over the line, you know, and, and that's been really rewarding. Yeah. Let me ask. So, okay, I never know who's listening. I know we got some like friends and fans right now, you know, of of your work, of even, you know, the stuff that we talk about here in the regular. I feel like sometimes we preach to the choir. People know who you are and they know what you did. And we don't have to like, but also sometimes lay lay folk wander in and they might say, okay, what do how do you define hip hop studies then? Like, what is that? And 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 obviously it seems like a a. It seems like a simple thing if you don't really know, like if you're not familiar with the culture and, and you know, but then if you, if you are familiar with it, then it's a vast thing. So how is it like both of those things at the same time? And how do you kind of put it into a box, something that is really hard to put in a box? It's a good question, man. And it's been a bit of a dilemma, man, because when you think about, you know, other kinds of academic disciplines or sub-disciplines and fields and that sort of thing, yep. they often have like a formal methodology and, you know, this is our history, this is our formation, these are our major approaches, this is the canon um, of, of, you know, esteemed works and authors. Hip-hop didn't have any of that, and I'm not sure it does. Um, and so that becomes a bit of a dilemma. It's like, how do we define this thing called hip-hop studies without that kind of box of formal approaches? On the other hand, that might be one of its virtues, right? In the same way, hip hop, as soon as you start getting it too formalized and structured, you lose the groove, you lose, you lose the funk. Um, and so what I've liked is the way we call it hip hop studies, but then other fields, other disciplines with their approaches, they bring their fire and their, you know, their formal approaches to this thing called hip hop. And ideally, they bring a hip hop sensibility to the field. So they, they kind of open up the field in the same way that hip hop gets opened up by whatever it is they're, they're approaching it with. Interesting. So uh, offshoots, uh, as you say, so it, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, it's been really, you know, useful and, 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 you know, places, you know, fields like sociology and, you know, media studies and uh, African-American Africana studies, you know, those are kind of natural and easy ones. But then when it starts showing up like economics and business and finance and, you know, these other places that, you know, in sports and, and leisure studies and all these other places, there's not there's not a clear kind of box anymore. And, and right. that that to me is, I think, exciting. And I think it, it, it keeps it kind of in a hip hop sensibility. He'll keep, well, keeps it kind of loose. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, one of the biggest challenges for folks, maybe folks like y'all in the like firmly footed uh, in the academics world. Folks like me that are kind of journalism and I, I dabble, I touch my toe in the academic world. But the job is, the work is 
and we hate that we have to do this, but we have to kind of convince X group, Y group of the validity of hip hop as something worthy of being studied in schools and a higher, you know, higher education being worthy of incorporating into your, like you said, any field, my, my mantra has been any field or discipline across the board can benefit from having somebody with a hip hop sensibility, hip hop ethos involved in it, whether it's business, whether it's advertising, as we know, whether it's like you say, sports and leisure, whether it's plumbing, I don't care. You want to advertise your plumbing business any better? Like there's no better guerrilla marketing folk than hip hop folk. Like we, like we invented guerrilla marketing in, in, a, in the modern, in a modern age. So I think hip hop plumbing, we're going to keep you flowing. They, see, there you go. You got a hashtag and everything. So that's what I'm saying. Like him one time for murder. Let me give you one, one of these because you get one of these. So the, so the work is to convince people. Now, we hate that we have to do it. We know that we have to do it. There's this long, ongoing struggle of do we need validation? Does hip hop need validation? Specifically, you know, the, the black artists, the, you know, the black musicians that, you know, sort of like where that's come from, because it's like we have our own thing. They say the ivory towers don't want to accept it. Who cares? They never did. We went around the back door. We changed the music industry. But we also know that validation is important. It gives us resources. It gives us things to, you know, tell me how y'all, you know, dealt with sort of that struggle of or continuously deal with that struggle of, of balancing that when the need for validation, but also F validation. Well, when we, we came in, I, I think, you know, I think you're nailing it, man, because, uh, you know, hip hop was was not welcome. I mean, this is the same sort of continuum of people who at various stages said, you know, studying comic books or studying television or studying you know, and, and subcultures, you know, it's like it's, it, it doesn't belong in the higher education. So those same sort of orthodox and traditional conservative voices were present around, you know, the idea of hip hop. And we, we hit those barriers. We hit those walls. Um, my line, and I stayed in the introduction to the first edition, is like, you know, we have to, you know, reading, writing and research is hip hop, too. So let's let's first of all, not make it like it's a separate thing. But we also have to remain rigorous. If we're going to fit into this thing called academia, people are already suspicious and already kind of skeptical and, and, and haters, then you better bring your best work. You know, make sure that it stands up to the academic thing. And I think that in retrospect, but I, I, I hear to it today, that's important to the academia, but it's also to give, do justice to hip hop. Right. You know, if you come in without the rigor in, in, in either case, you're falling short and you're doing disservice to both, right? Right. So, you know, we, we, we ran into those barriers, but one of the interesting things that I, again, I hadn't foreseen it, as hip-hop became more popular, became more mainstream, as hip-hop studies became more established, that notion of validation or legitimacy started to fall away. And the other side of it is that we saw, um, you know, academic colleges and uh, administrators saying, oh, shit, hip-hop puts butts in seats. In other words, right. this has a kind of an academic sheet that's kind of cool. Right. And, and it butts and seats, you know, can be translated into money and, in, uh, you know, in, in, in university accounts, then we want to offer hip hop courses. Uh, and, and so then we get, get into that, you know, culture vulture appropriation model. Right. And they'll say, like, you know, you got people who are, you know, not to diss anybody necessarily, but, you know, in, in English departments who really aren't into hip hop, but they want to use hip hop lyrics to try and teach Shakespeare or something. Right. But they got no commitment to the culture. They right. commitment to the history and to the formation and, and what it means to be stepping in and trying to do this as hip hop. Right? right. And so, so that, you know, that's, that's, you know, we wanted something, we wished for it, we got a little bit of it. And then we said, Oh shit, we hadn't seen this. <laughs> right. Right. 
But it's like the college, like you said, they, they want to get butts and seats. So they say, hey, you teach the hip hop class. Right. And they're not reaching outside of the necessarily the, the walls and finding maybe someone who might be more qualified as part of the culture, a teacher practitioner kind of kind of deal. But it's like and so now I think some of the work I know some of the work has been to also say to. Uh, you know, the academic side, like, hey, you have to maybe sometimes look outside of just the traditional. I've talked about this. I don't have a degree. I, you know, I'm the son of a college professor, distinguished professor of sociology, brilliant guy, one of the best college professors that ever walked the earth. And of course, I didn't go to college. Why would I? That's, that's the shoemaker's son has no shoes, right? But because I'm a practitioner, I'm a, I'm a, a student, I'm an independent scholar of the culture, person, I'm just speaking personally, feel like I'm no less qualified to teach, uh, you know, a, a hip hop course than any college but 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 i couldn't get past the you know the ai whatever the 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 thing that reads the resumes and the cvs as it gets through because i don't have an educated uh, a true degree and but forget me i'm talking about you know people have been practitioners for 40 years that have all of that background and knowledge and experience that are infinitely better to teach this in a you know maybe they could use a little instruction on instructing right teach the teacher how to teach but they're super qualified and that's what we need more from our educative educational institutions is to realize that they need to do more of that. I'm, I'm, I think we're seeing more of that these days, uh, but I, I think that's part of the work too, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, let's, let's think about it. It's like, you know, hip hop identified cats who are working in the elements, you know, whatever their art form might be. What are they experts at? And one right. thing is moving the fucking crowd, right? right? You know, and, 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 and bringing the vibe and, uh, and generating that energy, right? And, and a, a kind of, you know, a shared affect. Right. Um, and so, you know, the classroom actually misses something if you don't bring that and make that part of the part of the curriculum. So, you know, I'm thinking about my my collaborator and, and colleague and friend, Mark Anthony Neal, who built a course uh, at Duke University with Ninth Wonder. Right. Right. You know, right. and, uh, and uh, looking at soul music and sampling and, you know, these sort of things. And up here in, um, I'm in North, Northeastern, by the way, not in uh, Northwestern. I'm up in Boston. Did I say Northwestern? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eh, whatever. All same thing. Also a great university. <laughs> no, but, um, but, you know, up here, like, you know, um, I've, you know, I've, I've tried bringing on brand Harry Allen, Martha Diaz, um, F. Poe, Akua Naru, um, mm-hmm. you know, Ed O.G., local hero. He comes in every year, you know, and uh, and then just over at UMass Boston, um, you know, uh, local hero acrobatic teaches, of course. Right. And so a lot, and you know, down in um, uh, South Carolina, uh, Jabari uh, Evans, who used to be in Kids in the Hall, uh, MC Knowledge, all, all of these cats are getting their degrees as well. And so, right. you know, what used to be this kind of town and gown separation isn't nearly as 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 rigid as it used to be. And this is this is, I think, it's a great thing for hip hop. It's absolutely a great thing for hip hop studies. You know, right. like you know, people like me who who don't have any necessarily skills in the elements, I tried them all. But, you know, but writing, you know, writing is, you know, like I say, research is also can be hip hop if you bring the cultural sensibility. Right. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're finding people now from all those different dimensions, some of them coming into their what I call second acts, you know, as they get a little older and they realize, you know, that sort of peaked or whatever. My hip hop career is, is it's not going to make money for the family, but I can teach, you know, adjunct. I can teach courses and I can keep it just as hip hop in the classroom as I do out anywhere else. Yeah, more the more of that, the better. I mean, you know, obviously, that's the type of folks I talk to here. I, I, Master Ace comes to mind, uh, who obviously still makes music, still makes albums, but has written a play and he's developing a play with the Rhymes Over Beats folk in New York. He's been running that for a little while. And we see, and you just mentioned a bunch of other names that, you know, I, I off, I've caught a little flack for this when I said that hip hop, in, in a way, part of the pushback 
that, you know, the culture gets from its fans and participants who have grown up with it. And we see how like the music goes in a direction that we mes- may not necessarily appreciate or, or enjoy. And I, I often say like, look, hip hop is so much more than the music, which we all know, but it's desperately trying to outgrow just being the music. Like we, we trap it sometimes by not saying, look at all the great stuff that our artists can do that isn't being, you know, music on the radio or on Vivo or, on, you know, and then we, so we hold it back a little bit by not understanding that how, how much that is and can happen. You know what I'm saying? I do. And, you know, and I also think, I mean, I, I, one of the, the work I'm doing right now is on, frankly, that's on growing old in the game, age and aging in hip hop. Right. You know, and I, I, you know, I'm writing a lot about the pioneers, the longtime veterans and that sort of thing. And one of the things that, that, that really is, you know, to their benefit, but it's to, to everybody's benefit really is that they've been around long, right? You know, they're beyond reproach in terms of their, their hip hop bona fides. You know, like they, they did the work, they created the thing, they brought it, but they've been around so long that they're really comfortable in front of all kinds of audiences. Right. They're invited to conferences, to lectures, to public talks all the time. And so these guys get in front of a, a you know, an educative, uh, educational context and, and they know exactly what to do. Right. And so there, there's, you know, this, this is one of the things I'm really encouraged by is that, you know, with enough experience, you know, these guys will, they, they become like, you know, the, the carriers of the culture and they may as well just come into the classroom. So I think it's incumbent right. on us in the university to make sure that we keep those doors open, invite them to guest lectures, invite them to talks, you know, just make sure that whatever that old traditional town and gown, you know, purist and tourist kind of division right. uh, is, is eroded, break that down and make sure that, you know, they, they feel as comfortable in the classroom as, as, as any place else. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, older folks that are outside of, that are part of the culture lament that the young folk don't respect the elders or don't have any, you know, uh, comprehension of the elements. Or, well, if we don't have places to deliver that to them. You know, and again, they are in college. They are going to school. That's a great place to be able to reinforce and pass on those traditions and uh, in, a, in a way that isn't always, you know, super, you know, uh, authoritative. Right. Because I know that hip hop classes and hip hop instructors are much more sensitive to the restrictions of a traditional education system that don't value the cultural language of their students. And they're open. They sit in ciphers. We know where you're coming from. We're happy to talk about these things. So it makes it a welcoming learning experience for young folk. And then you bring in the OGs to come connect those dots and 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 can and and build those bridges. It's a per, it's set up perfectly for it. Yeah. And one one of the things I mean, you know, I'm kind of guilty as charged. You know, it's like with a just harder to keep up on what's going on. You know. Right. I know there was a period where you know and, and you know. We all had like the source. We we had you know all kinds of all kinds of uh, media you know feeds and stuff. We kind of were on top of what was going on. You knew when when something new was happening. You knew who was hot, who was falling off. All of these things. We all kind of knew it. it. You know, I felt like that was part of the, the hip hop nation. We were connected to something. Right. Well, it's not like that anymore. And uh, and so I think one of the first things I do is I tell my students, you know. I, I can I can work with you and I can bring the history and I can try and bring in some of these people. And, you know, if I can't get, you know, get them in on a Zoom, you know, I interviewed Chuck or Kaz or Theodore or something. Right. I'll play, I'll play a, a clip from the tape, from the interview tape, so they hear it in their voices, right? But then there's a point where I say, I got to give it to you guys now. I got to defer and say, I, I, I can't, I can't, I'm giving you the framework for the, 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 right. the formation of the culture. Now, how do you guys want to, discuss what you're listening to and what you see as the culture and how do you want to kind of, you know, explain it. 
right. in a way that we're saying, okay, well, this is what hip hop is now. Right, right, right. As we've talked about offline, that's to me that's super important because we 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 can't define. Again, I said it earlier today. It's very we can't continuously define as older folk, as older hip hop heads, as older academics. We can't define something that's not definable, that's supposed to evolve, that's supposed to, that has always evolved and, and had offshoots and branches. But, you know, you want to talk about what you don't like today. New Yorkers didn't recognize down South hip hop as being important in our time. You know, so the, the South got something to say. Yeah, and the South then had something to say about it. So we've always had those distinctions. So it is super important, as you say, to uh, continuously it's, it's got to be a two-way street. We've got to learn from the young folk as well as give them the opportunity to learn from us as well. And I'm, I'm going to, you know, and this is a little self-promotion, but it, it, it works within the conversation. That, yes. You know, this is... Uh, you mean this? That's the one, bro. I was going to segue too, but f- feel free to just segue away. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, when we're talking about this and, you know, the history and, you know, I can explain, you know, I can be anecdotal. I can bring in these older cats who are also going to often be anecdotal and, and that sort of thing, but the material artifacts, the uh, the physical objects, documents, all of yeah. that sort of thing, the the the, the historical uh, record is now thankfully being you know placed into archives, and uh, it's you know at the at their best, they're community accessible and and responsive. Yeah. Um, and I think this is the other things now is trying to work it into curriculum, you know, that you get the students now, you know, to do this project, you need to access the archive, right. You know, it's you know often they're they're if they're good ones they're you know they're they have the funding and stuff they're digitized so right. go in and do something on Joe Conzo's photographs or right. you know on on you know the 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 tapes of uh, radio programs from Toronto from the you know early 1990s or whatever it might be you know right right tell me about let's and the the segue to that was okay we talk about writing and we're talking about classes and instruction the archives was the thing I you know I was definitely going to segue into uh, and you did nicely. Uh, with the book Hip Hop Archives, um, of course, we know a lot of folks that are doing hip hop archival work. It's it's a it's still a burgeoning, but it's a blossoming field. What are some of the things that in writing the book or just in your in your travels, I want to say like prime examples of hip hop archiving? Who's done it right? Who's doing it right? What needs to still be done? Obviously, we've talked on this show a long while ago to Ben Ortiz and, you know, with Martha Diaz, uh, Summer McCoy, who runs the Mixtape Museum and is working on the, some of these initiatives. Uh, but overall, like, what have you seen, generally speaking, that I, I think we don't have to, I hope we don't have to, to the audience who's watching this show, uh, explain why archiving, you know, these cultural artifacts is important. But who's doing it right? What's the right way to do it? And what, in your opinion, as someone who studied it uh, and written a book about it, needs to be done still? Well, first of all, the, the three names that you just mentioned are the best in the biz, you know, yep. and uh, there, there's there's others at that level, but those three are just amazing. Right. Quick answer to the, you know, where I think it's being done well. Um, my first, my first one would probably be Cornell, you know, the, the Cornell collection. And those guys really have, um, they've got some of the top names, the key names. They've really put their resources behind it in terms of um, uh, proper collection, preservation, uh, cataloging and then the digitization, you know, right. uh, making it community and uh, you know globally accessible. So I, I think that's the gold standard. And and, I, and in fact, just yesterday, I got a message from uh, some folks in got research funding in um, in uh, Utrecht, uh, Netherlands, and they're coming over to the U.S. to look at at hip hop archives and stuff. And I said, hit, hit Ithaca, go to Cornell right. thing, you know, and and talk to to um, to Ben and uh, Catherine, Catherine Regan, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, one of the, one of the things about the book that I that I really enjoyed is that you know we we 
saw people, you know, at the level of collection and not quite, you know, what not not what we call an archive, you know, stuff that's in it's in the it's in the closet, it's in the basement, it's in the attic, it's in the garage. Um, not particularly well preserved, but they understand the the hip hop value of it. Just not quite sure what to do with it. Um, but the way that the way you know, I'm thinking about uh, former um, Soviet uh, Germany, the GDR, and these uh, b boys who get online and and or occasionally get together, and uh, they just you know bring together their artifacts for reminiscence and recollection, like a reunion, you know. Mm. Uh, and they aren't sure what point to do with it, where to commit it in terms of an archival, you know, acquisition process or something. Right. But they're absolutely aware of the value of it. And so that, that, you know, that process of how does something go from what they call an unofficial informal collection into something that's formally archival and that transition from objects and, you know, just stuff I have from. Right. And how does it get tr- translated into now we call it an artifact and now it goes into a whole other system of preservation. Right. And, you know, and, and then, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's collaborative, but it's also got a collision and uh, antagonistic aspect. You know, hip hop cats who, you know, they aren't really coming at things with an institutional formal, like, you know, archival or library type of sensibility. And then the library folks say, like, we don't really know hip hop. We don't really understand what's going on. Why are these people fighting about whose name will be on the top of the bill? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that's hip hop, you know, but so there's, there's a mutual educational, uh, and informational kind of socialization and conditioning that has to go on. We're seeing that everywhere we look, but uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I, what we hope for, and I think, you know, I hope we achieve with the book is that there will be this kind of collective learning that archivists will understand hip hop and what it means to collect and, and, you know, preserve hip hop material as hip hop heads sort of understand that there are these in, infrastructural and institutional things that also you need to learn. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, definitely a two-way kind of mutual learning uh, from the legacy institutions and the folks who could connect with them. But this is all part of the educational stuff. Hey, y'all, it's Manny from the future. Just wanted to say that Murray's next statement is in response to Andrew Wang, uh, one of our supporters actually on Patreon. Shouts to you, Andrew, uh, who commented in the live stream. Remember, these are live stream interviews for the most part. So tune in every Monday, 9 p.m. Eastern on hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Subscribe to the channel, turn on notifications, do all the things. Anyway, Andrew asked whether Murray thought that the Smithsonian had been doing a good job with their archival and presentation when it comes to hip-hop culture. Now back to the show. Do you see Andrew Wang's comment, how do I feel that- I was just about to call that up. What do you mean, man? What's going on here? Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Andrew, thanks for that question, man. I, I think they did a pretty damn good job. Um, when we talk about an institution with uh, with resources, they have it, right? Um, and I think in terms of their, you know, African-American um, history and Africana kind of emphasis, they understand a lot of the cultural sens- sensitivities and uh, what needs to be done, what's been done wrong in the past institutionally. Right. Um, and they've got some really committed folks on the ground in there. I'm thinking about uh, Timothy Ann, uh, getting her last name, guy. Yeah, I know. I know Timothy Ann. That's all I yeah. can think of as well. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, she's been great up in there and uh, fostering relationships way before you get to the idea of like, you know, can we have your stuff and put it on display or whatever, right? You know, with um, Jay Dilla's mom and uh, right. meeting people like you know Bombada and you know, you know, kind of massaging. I'm not gonna say the egos, but massaging kind of the reputations of these cats who sort of say like, we're we're kind of great in the culture. Are we going to be recognized as great in your institution? It's not right. just 
being great, but they, they want this to be really important within the larger institution. Right. And I think the Smithsonian understands that. It's assuaging those fears, I think, like you talked about. It's, you know, saying, hey, we don't know you. Yeah. We don't know you, institution. We don't know, you know, we, we might even know the Universal Hip Hop Museum, but knowing that, that there were three other hip hop museums or Hall of Fames that came and went, you know, who might have reached out to me also, and they're gone. And, you know, we don't know you. We don't know what this is about. And I think that, that it's a super, like you said, relationships is the most important starting block. Absolutely. And then, yeah. you know, the other thing is like, you know, when you get into these the larger institutions, like, damn, we've been burned before, man. Right. We, you know, we, we don't have to dig too deep to see all the kind of wrongs that have been done and all the ripoffs that have gone on. And that's where I think, you know, this idea, like somebody like Martha Diaz is, is absolutely crucial and, and key. And Ben at, at Cornell and, you know, lots of people, certainly on, as you get into the smaller, uh, more localized places, People do have a lot more kind of involvement in the local culture, so it's not quite the same thing. But right. the large institutions like Ivy League universities or Smithsonian scale things, you know, it's like, you know, making sure that you have people who are community responsive and plugged in and that they give the resource to those people to go and spend time in the community right. and hang out and get a sense of what's going on and what the values are or what it might mean to bring something from hip hop from the local scene or the, you know, the wider scene into a place like this. Yeah. Um, my, my collaborator and, uh, and brother, um, uh, Mark Campbell in Toronto, he tries as much as possible. First of all, he doesn't have the space or the, you know, his own resources for it to keep material artifacts. So what he does is he scans and copies and photographs and everything he can and, and lets the artifacts remain in the hands of the folks who, who bring them to him. Right. You know, so he says, I'm not taking anything. Right. What I'm doing. Wait, I, I thought that's what we do. We're supposed to steal the artifacts from the people and put them in the museums and isn't that how it works i don't know that's far too often yes. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that is how it works and then you're you know, you're flipping this whole idea on its head yeah you know but, but this is the thing is we talk about the decolonial archive right yep. it's like we we are not going to play that fucking game again and and you know if anything hip-hop has always been kind of you know you know standing firm against that sort of thing so so this is another opportunity to to define hip-hop according to the culture's own terms, you know? Yeah. Just in wow. a, new, a new environmental setting called the archive. That's right. That's brilliant. Yep, indeed. So, okay, we're, 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 we're coming up on time. Murray, I could talk to you for days on end. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's long overdue, but I said I wanted to make it look pretty for us. Come look how good looking we are. We can't just waste it on the audio format. What are we doing? Oh, you know, we have jewelry. We, you know, we got hair. What the hell? We got to show it off. Um, so I do appreciate your, you know, you coming through and hanging out with me uh, for this. Those two books, again, we could talk about them for, you know, ad nauseum. Um, what else do you have under your belt that you want folks to know about? What might you be working on uh, that you want to share with the folks that I haven't had a chance to bring up myself tonight? Yeah, you know, as I've been working on these, you know, that um, the in a way, my, my core project uh, is called Old in the Game, Time, Age and Aging in Hip Hop. Um, and I'm getting old in the game just working on it. It's been hanging for way too long. But in a way, just because as culture ages, more and more kind of information, data, research comes out, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of reluctant to let it go. But I'm, I'm working on that. I've got that proposal out uh, right now with, uh, uh, with uh, University Press. I'm, I'm hoping that we'll see the light of day maybe within the next year. And, you know, if it doesn't, uh, I'll just keep trying. That, that's, that's my major kind of project right now. Is about, and it goes along with, uh, you know, with the archive thing. Like, you know, older folks who have these materials who are suddenly thinking, what do I do? You know, looking at mortality and saying, what do I do with these materials that might be of value to the culture when I'm gone? Yeah. 
I'm looking at these issues. And other than that, you know, just, you know, Chuck, Chuck D told me one time at, at a certain point in his career and his age, he said, you know, I'm in service to hip hop. Right. And that's kind of all he is, you know, right. and, and I think he's, he's, he's proven that over and over and over. I'm not Chuck D by any stretch, but I, I take that message to heart. And it's what I try to do is to be in service to help younger folks and uh, to bring information, knowledge to build the culture. Yeah. And so with that, you know, y'all can find me uh, at Northeastern University, m.foreman at northeastern.edu. And if anybody wants to reach out for any reason, you know, I reply. Yeah, you definitely do. I think that that is super valuable what you're working on as sort of the, I don't know, being older and having this show and trying to not just, you know, interview the folks doing the work, but, you know, impress upon an aging hip hop oriented population. What can we do to help? Right. We don't know what to do. And we keep, we don't know the music. We don't sit with the, our cassette tapes. You know, we don't burn the CDs. We don't, you know, ride around with our, well, we, some of us still ride around with our cars in the boomer systems. I'll tell you that much. That's never going to stop. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you know, like what can we do? And, and I think that we think that because we're not always attached to the, to the, to the, to the music, to the biz, the way we were, that we don't have agency anymore. And I think that that frustrates us, that, that gives us, you know, a, a, a bad feeling because it's so much part of our lives. But when you talk about what can we do? Well, first of all, what are you doing for a living? Because you can probably incorporate hip hop into your line of work somehow. You know, to think that if you work at a school or a library or any kind of legacy institution, this whole conversation was about what you could bring to the administrators or what you could bring to the table. If you not only that, if you have children, if you're able to, you know, work with them, get a better relationship with your children. We've talked about this with a bunch of folks. You know, hip hop is the conduit, the never ending conduit that you can find common ground with your children and have a better relationship with them. And we've talked, we've given examples on this show so often. And, and, uh, and I will say that by doing that, by having this, you know, kind of mindset, it helps someone like me do what I can do. This is the skill set that I have. And I'm not rapping and DJing. Well, I'm still DJing every now and then, you know, but I'm not rapping. I'm not making beats. I'm not making remixes. I'm not trying to be the artist anymore. But I still have this and I do podcasts where we incorporate music into it. I'm so satisfied that I can still use my hip hop mm-hmm. to make something valuable in the world and not be daunted by the fact that, I, you know, I, I don't know who half of the artists are anymore. But also find out who the artists are. Pay attention. I turned on the, the TV and I watched uh, uh, Vivo videos and I'm like, I don't like this song. I don't like this song. And then I'm like, oh, I actually like this song. And I don't know who this person, like that discovery, we can still do it. We can still have a Spotify playlist that gives us something new. And rap, rap caviar, man. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting, so- I'm hitting my, my old ass is hitting the treadmill in the gym. We're listening to rap caviar. It's like you, I don't know who I'm listening to, but it's, you know, it's, it's bumping. Keep- right. You know, <laughs> if I like it, I like it. And then now my algorithm says, oh, you like this kind of and now I got J.I.D. flipping on my or, you know, somebody like that where I can say, OK, I can mess with this kind of deal. So I think that is you're kind of as you've done so many times in your career, like really putting a nice bow on some of the things we're trying to say and do when it comes to the culture, you know, uh, teach people about it in a serious manner or in this case, you know, teach older folks how we can continue to contribute to the culture and, and build it. Not necessarily in the closed-minded way that I think some of us think we have to. Like, shut it down, ban this, censor that. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, we can have those conversations and they're important because we can talk about the destructive nature of the music and the lyrics and, 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 the, and the corporate control. And that's all those conversations have to be had. And we have them, although we have the debates all the time. But it can't stop there. It has to say, okay, what can we also do 
which is the kind of stuff that you're talking about. I think that's super valuable. Well, you know, hip hop has opened up so many conversations like outside of hip hop, right? You know, right. How, we, how we talk about gender, how we talk about class, how we talk about race, right? Yep. Those conversations aren't about hip hop, but hip hop has opened the, opened the door onto new ways of discussing them in really important and essential ways. And, you know, that, that's that, you know, way back in the day, like, you know, going back 40 or, or, or 45 years, that, that was kind of what drew me into the culture in the first place. Right. Right. And there's not, ain't nothing like it, man. Ain't nothing like hip hop, man. And uh, I really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. I just want to say for the record one time, if anyone watching, hearing, listening, smelling, tasting, feeling me, likes what I'm doing, appreciates what I'm doing, it is in no small part to this man right here. You've reached out to me when I was writing for Birthplace Magazine, a, a small, like, I don't say small, but pretty small New York-based online publication that I started. I met you somewhere, and I knew who you were, and you knew who I was. And you're like, yeah, I read this piece about the classic radio, da-da-da. And you pulled out one of these pieces that I wrote with all of my heart and soul and brilliance, because I thought it was brilliant, and you told me about it. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, the guy who, you know, put together this is paying attention to what I do. And it meant a great deal to me as just some guy just, how we say, uh, uh, thinking he's pissing into the ocean to warm it up. You know what I mean? I don't know if I'm yelling into the, into the wind or, you know, anyone's paying attention. And you were one of the, uh, you know, great names and, and, and uh, great folk doing this work that did let me know that. And that's so I kept going because in part because of that. So thank you. Keep yelling, bro. Yeah, man. Murray, thank you so much. We'll talk again soon, my friend. All right. Thanks so much, Manny. Uh, peace, y'all. And uh, folks who dropped in, uh, respect. Thank you. Yeah, word up. You got a lot of fans in here. Watch the playback. And I didn't. Even, I didn't want to mess this up by playing all the all the comments, but they're out there. You you, you already know. All right, my man. Be safe. Thank you. Thanks, brother. All right, peace. The great Dr. Murray Foreman, uh, again, author, educator, uh, cool cat, and uh, does all the things. So once again, you can check out Murray Foreman at Northeastern University. Northeastern. I knew that, of course. Jeez, God, it's really hard doing these shows. Many faces. You sick for this one. Sick for this one. Sick for this. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, aka the world's most important hip hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com, filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb <laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip-Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Manny Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours.